Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. seventh edition of the sports rivals i'm monty that's ernie and together we're ready to talk of the world of sports and ernie a lot happening this week you had the nfl trade deadline Uh in college football you had number one versus number two by the rankings one versus three by the by the um the first cfp poll right um you also had Major League Baseball World Series has come to an end, and all kinds of shenanigans in the NBA. Right. But why don't we start here? University of Hawaii been playing a lot of hard-fought games for the last month or so. Mm-hmm. Last night in Fresno, they ran into a buzzsaw. Their first drive, they drove down, settled for a field goal. Fresno came back, um, got their own field goal. Actually, UH settled for a field goal, but didn't get it. Mm -hmm. And then Fresno got a field goal, a pick six, and the route was on. It got to 55-0 to before two late scores by the Rainbow Warriors. I mean, uh, just a tough one, one that you just got to forget. Yeah, I mean, running to a buzzsaw is... Is kind <laughs> if, you, if you want to really. It, it was disappointing. Disappointing in the fact that you know I really thought uh, the Rainbow Warriors got past this uh, you know part of uh, from a mental aspect. This this looked like a mental breakdown. I mean, where everything exploded and kind of like uh, uh, snowballed into you know like you just mentioned a fifty-five to zero outcome. I mean, I don't even want to count the last thirteen points. It seemed like a you know, they're doing that against the fifth stringers by that point, you know, so I don't even count count that. I mean, this this was an absolute, uh, you know, slaughter. slaughter on top of there. No, we had four guys, four starters that were injured, did not play in this game. And then Fresno on the flip side had all of their starters come back healthy. And it was obvious. Plus, I always worry about this with the Warriors, especially when you're starting to wear down. You're talking about a team that's flown to Michigan, come home. Mm-hmm. Flown to New Mexico, come home. Mm-hmm. Flown to San Diego, come home. Flown to Colorado State, come home. And then flew back to Fresno State. That's a lot of traveling. NFL teams don't right, travel that right. much. And when you're depleted, you're, you're, you know, you're starting to get injured, your depth is in question. You're at the 10th game of the year. They look like they were fatigued and kind of overmatched. So hopefully they'll respond coming home next week. A couple of games left. They're a double-digit underdog to Utah State now. Mm-hmm. But I hope that they come back with that resilience. I'm sure there'll be another sold-out crowd of 9,000-plus uh, at the Cook to cheer them on. But this is one we just got to forget. Yeah. Fresno's a rival, but just yeah. throw this one out. This was more like what we saw in the beginning part of the year, not what we saw over the last six weeks or so. So hopefully it's a one-off and we get back to some competitive football, win or lose, just competitive football down the stretch. Exactly. I'm, I'm with you on top of that. I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping this was uh, you know, an anomaly within the season other than, you know, like, like you said, the first couple of games, first several games in the season because they really look like they had something you know, going there as far as momentum. And this, like you said, ran into a brick wall and... You know, you really don't want this game lingering as you, you know, you close out your season. 
Uh, if they can become competitive over the last two games, I, I think that bodes well for Timmy Chang. At least he can go into the offseason, you know, in the recruiting part of the season, uh, you know, with some type of hope that he could, uh, you know, get some quality recruits out there to help this program build in the future yeah i mean that and that's really the point of emphasis has to be right now i mean we're about a month away from national signing day or or the late signing day period there's only a handful of hawaii football division one athletes that have not committed yet and Mm -hmm. uh has only gotten a couple of little lesser recruits compared to the studs at Kahuku and Punahou and the likes. Um, very important that maybe we secure a couple more as well as a lot of transfer portal guys, that's I'm what guessing, I'm, that's what to I'm be able to for. come in and give them that yeah. little boost, that little bump going into next year. So I think right now the season obviously is not lost per se. We're not going to a bowl game. We're not playing necessarily for anything other than pride. I think the real key is what's going to happen in the next month recruiting-wise that sets us up for further growth next year. Exactly. Because if I'm a crew right there, I'm on, I'm on the fence and I see a – you know, a 55-0 or 55-13, the way this thing comes out, uh, you know, that's that's a totally different outlook than, you know, the the, the last, the, the previous three or four games prior to that, where at least it's been competitive and you snuck out a couple of wins. I do, as a, you know, as an athlete, you want to go there, of course, with playing time. That's going to be the biggest motivation to come to, to this particular program. But at the same time, you want to, you want to go out there not being thrown, you know, thrown to the slaughters, you know, and, uh, you know, just to become fed upon, uh, you know, when you come into this program. So hopefully that, like I said, this is this is an anomaly and it, things go back to where it was, you know, over the last month prior to this game. Yeah, I totally agree. Now, in the world of high school football, the state tournaments, nothing going on this week. They start next weekend with the. Division one and Division two starting early. There's only four teams in the open division, so mm-hmm. they start the week after. U8 Sports this week. The Wahine continue the roll. Friday sweep over Long Beach State. Saturday come back sweep over Fullerton. They're now 12 and one in first place, and looks like they're in position to lock down another Big West title for for the Wahine. The men's basketball team had their first exhibition games. They played uh, U8 Hilo earlier this week. Some good things out there looked really good. Mm-hmm. Munoz, a point guard that had to sit out last year with an ACL tear, came off the bench, looked great. 16 points, uh, four, five, three pointers, tears his Achilles towards the end of the game. He's now going to miss another season. He missed last year with an oh ACL. My goodness. He missed the, uh, he's going to miss this year with an Achilles. And this was his sixth year already. So this essentially is ending his, coll- uh, his collegiate career. Too bad because the guy looked like he was going to be a difference maker. But the the basketball program, Ernie, both the men and the women, the men are predicted to come in second. Mm-hmm. The Wahine are predicted to come in first. It should be an exciting basketball season up at Manoa for the men and women basketball teams. I hope so. I hope so. And gosh, I got you got to feel for that uh, Munoz guy. That's that, talk about being snake bitten. Two two ACL injuries. One ACL and then an Achilles. And an Achilles. I mean, he's oh like Clay. God. Yeah, it's exactly what happened to to Clay Thompson, um, except he never got his hundred sixty million dollar contract <laughs> yet. So our hearts and prayers out to uh, to the Munoz kid and his family. Just get healthy, enjoy your last year of college, and move on from there. So Ernie, let's transition again. That's Ernie. I'm Monty. We are the sports rivals, the world of baseball. 
The Houston Astros, much to the chagrin of many people across the country. I'm one of them. Um, The Phillies looked like they were going to take them. They went home, had five home runs, went up two games to one, and the Astros clamped down, slammed the door the last three games, including a combined no-hitter. Only the third ever in World Series history in Game 4. Their bats went completely silent the last three games. Houston pulls it out last night, 4-1. to They win their second World Series since... 2017, although that one doesn't count because they cheated. <laughs> Your thoughts on the World Series? <laughs> you know what? Hats off to the Phillies. You know, I don't think anybody other than their faithful uh, would have predicted them to get this far. I mean, I, I, I surely didn't. I, I, I had them out in the in the at least after the first round after they took took care of my Cardinals. I had them easily out. You know. Uh, in the series after that and they made it this far they, they they took two games they actually got ahead in this world series unfortunately you know like you said the bats weren't there the timely hitting wasn't there uh they went up against a good uh good houston astros team verlander was verlander and you know he took care of business and uh, I don't think any anybody in Vegas, at least, was upset on top of this. I think it, I think it came to form. I'm just glad it wasn't a sweep because I, I, I if if I would have liked to see what the lines were on how many games this this uh, World Series would have gone uh, six. If uh, you told me it was going to go six, I would have been happy with that. You know, being that I was going for the Phillies. Well, Houston dominated with pitching all year long. Their pitching rose to the occasion in the World Series. They definitely deserve to win. The only thing that's of consolation to me is I do feel good for one person, and that's Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker now in his 70s, I believe, Mm. has been managing for 25 years, has come close a number of times. Such a great guy who inherited really an unfathomable position with suspensions and managers getting fired and GMs getting fired and and all kinds of things and he actually galvanized the team got them to play as one was successful for the last two and a half years finally winning his title so congratulations Dusty Baker as far as I'm concerned you'll always be a Los Angeles Dodger (laughs) in your heart Um, the other thing Ernie that's really cool about this is I'm sure you've heard those of you that are betters Super Bowl is normally when you hear about this, but there's a guy, an older gentleman, that's made a fortune in the furniture business in the Houston area. His Mm. name is Mattress Mac, and he normally does promotions around the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Well, he'll say, if you buy a a, a bed and the XY, whatever team he takes, for example, last year it was the Rams and the Bengals. He bet on the Bengals. So if the Bengals, if the Rams win... No, if the Bengals were to have won, everybody gets their um, mattresses for free. free. They get it all reimbursed. Wow. So that way, he never really loses. I mean, (laughs) if if his bet comes to fruition, he wins the money, he pays off all of that. And if it doesn't come to fruition, then he's got all these people who needed a mattress that are buying it. So he's always been that way. He's probably the most famous better going right now. Well, Ernie, in this series, when the playoffs started... He placed bets throughout anywhere that would take it at an average of a plus 750. So he took the Astros to win the World Series at plus 750. Mm-hmm. He paid an accumulated $10 million. 
So when that final out was made last night, he was jumping up and down. Now a winner of $75 million. The biggest jackpot in Las Vegas history. Not jackpot, but the biggest winning in, in history. So... I don't care how many mattresses he had to give out for free. The guy has $75 million. Mattress Mac, a legend in the betting world, a legend in the marketing world. Yeah. Just pure genius. That is, that is. What he's been able to do. And now he's just throwing money around because I guess he looks like he's about 80. Um, but he sure was jumping up and down when the final Jump, was made. Jumping on his mattresses. Mattress Mac. I was always cheering for you to lose because you bet on the Bengals last time, and then you bet on the Astros this time. <laughs> but you won this time, although you lost last time. So congratulations, Dusty Baker, the Houston Astros, and Mattress Mac. So, Ernie, let's transition to the world of college football. Mm-hmm. The one game that I really wanted to talk about, when the first poll came out, the one that really matters right. for the college football playoff, Surprisingly, Tennessee was the number one team, followed by Ohio State at two. Georgia was three. Georgia was sitting there waiting for Tennessee to come to Athens this weekend. Georgia was a seven and a half point favorite, and they dominated the oh, yeah. game. You know, oh, their yeah. defense really rose to the occasion. Tennessee had the number one offense in college football. It did not happen. Georgia rose 27 to 13. I fully expect that when the second poll comes out, they're going to jump to number one, leapfrogging Ohio State, I would think. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think we're looking at a Georgia one, uh, Ohio State two, Michigan three, maybe TCU at four since they're an undefeated team. Mm -hmm. Although it wouldn't surprise me if Tennessee is still slotted right there. So the other thing, Ernie, in in the world of football... Alabama Lost. loses yeah. at LSU. Yeah. LSU goes for two in overtime, hits it, and now Alabama with two losses more than likely spells doom for their chances for the college football playoffs oh, yeah, for def- this year. Definitely. I mean, their only, they're, they're only chances, everything collapses. They get Tennessee, uh, you know, in the conference championship or something like that, and uh, they rolled the dice on top of that. But I, that's where I think Tennessee is going to fall. I, I really think one of the Pac-10 schools, whether it be Oregon or whether it be USC, might be able to squeak up in there, you know, def- depending on how the, you know, the dice rolls out there. I think one of those uh, two teams coming out from the, the, the Pac-10 would be able to. And that would be good for football because, man, it's been dominated by East Coast schools for, for the longest time. You know, and it's time to get back to a little bit more equitable play, uh, you know, uh, at least representation from where. Well, it would be neat if there was like the SEC champ, whether it be Georgia or it looks like it'll be Georgia. Uh-huh. The Big Ten champs, Ohio State or Michigan will end up playing each other. TCU at this point, you know, I don't know who's going to come up and beat them well, in they that got, conference. Yeah, they got, well, they got Texas. I mean, Texas isn't the Texas of old. But, but Texas Texas can beat them. So you have, you have that one that, that's kind of there. And then the Pac, you're right. I mean, if Oregon or USC can run, run the, the table, table right. I think they have a chance. Like in Oregon's case, though, they need Georgia to stay undefeated. Because if it got down to a one-loss Georgia or one-loss Oregon, Georgia did beat them 49-3 to in week one. <laughs> so that would be a very tough argument for Oregon to right. win over them. So I think Oregon's going to need them to stay uh, undefeated. And they could slip in. And I would agree. It would be nice to have one SEC, one Big Ten. 
one Pac-12 and then one Big 12. Mm. You know, that, that would be nice. Clemson gets annihilated at, at Notre Dame. The ACC is down. My Miami Hurricanes are putrid. Mm. Um, I don't expect that the ACC is going to be a player there. Me I think neither. you're looking at those four conferences in some way, shape, or form. So we're running out of time. I mean, there's only three weeks left here. So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. But Georgia, definitely, to me, a convincing victory over Tennessee. To me, the clear number one right now. Exactly. That Ohio State-Michigan game later on in November is going to be a dandy of a game and the winner will definitely be in the playoff the loser not necessarily will drop off I think it depends on what kind of a competitive game that is there's still a chance both could make it Mm -hmm. like they did last year but we'll have to wait and see so that's college football gang now let's transition again Ernie and again this is Ernie and Monty we are the sports rivals we're going to talk about the NFL where Ernie Steelers had the weekend off and my Rams offense had the weekend (laughs) off again <laughs> That's another week off for the Rams offense. Just the Rams offense is so bad right now. It is it is it is mind-boggling. I'm having visions, Ernie, like I'm back watching the Jeff Fisher, Jared Goff as a rookie days, where oh our God. offense now is now literally the worst offense in the entire NFL. The defense is the fifth, fifth best defense. The offense could do nothing other than a 69-yard touchdown to Cooper Cup. Other than that, it was three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, negative four yards, total offense in the fourth quarter. They finally gave Brady too many chances. Brady converts a touchdown with nine seconds left. The Rams fall to three and five, and uh, it's just complete chaos there for the Rams. Now, what I really want to talk about is the NFL trade deadline. Mm-hmm. You know, so we'll talk about some of the some of the major deals, and then as it relates to maybe some things that we saw today, but more so, what you think these trades will it have an impact at all going forward? So let's start with your Steelers, okay? Because they had a buy this week. There was always talk for the last year and a half about Claypool being traded. They traded Claypool to the Bears, and he had his first showing today. He had a cup, three, four catches for the Bears today. They got a second-round pick. As a Steeler fan, happy, sad, elated. where are you? I'm, el- I'm elated for, for that. I, I, I thought Claypool was out of position. They had him in the slot replacing Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, Claypool belonged on the outside. Uh, you're negating his height. You're negating his speed by putting him in the slot. Uh, but, you know, you had George Pickens out there and, and, and Deontay Johnson is your best receiver and he feasts on the outside. So there was no other place to put him. I think that they got very good value for him. I, I, you know, if you told me that we would have got uh, an early third round pick, I would have been happy. But so to get a second, I'm elated because I believe Calvin Austin, when he comes back in, uh, will easily... Uh, not easily, but I, I I expect a lot of good things. What they what they he was doing in in training camp prior to injury, he was actually doing better than Pickens before he got hurt. I mean, he was the uh, the camp phenom, if you want to call that. So if Pickens if if that falls true, I mean, a lot of time has passed since then. I don't know how much rust he has to shake off. Uh, with only half the season to go, but I'm excited for that. I, uh, the Steelers, for some reason, uh, have a plethora of good wide receivers, but like your Rams, uh, nothing really, nothing offensively to show for it. Uh, so with you know, with Kenny Pickett at the helm, I, I'm I'm willing to take the growing pains 
and I, I like the pickup. Also, I want to talk a little a little bit about Jackson the third, who uh, they the cornerback, yeah, cornerback, who the Steelers actually wanted way back when they wanted, and the Houston Texans actually was it? No, I think it was. I think it was the Cincinnati Bengals actually traded up and took him from the Steelers. Steelers ended up with Artie Burns. Your Artie Burns from Miami ended up being a total bust. You know, now so now uh, you know at, at least. At least they got Jackson, and they got him for for I think a, decent, a late pick. A late pick. So I, I like the pickup because man, that backfield with Akello Witherspoon. Uh, I thought he showed flashes, but he's too inconsistent. He comes from good pedigree, coming from the Buffalo system, but he's too inconsistent. The guy makes great plays, and the guy gives up so many so many other touchdowns. I'm hoping Jackson can solidify the position there. Yeah, I mean, so let's talk about, there were, Ernie, there were 20 trades in the, during that NFL deadline, period. There were 10 trades on Tuesday alone. Now, most trades aren't going to have a really big impact, but there mm-hmm. are three trades that I think could have a profound impact. The first one is the trade with Miami Chubb. getting Bradley Chubb yeah. for a first-round pick, Chase Ed, uh, Edmonds, um, and, and a lower pick. And then, because they lose Chase Edmonds as a running back, they trade a late pick to the 49ers for Jeff Wilson, their backup running back. Or now that they have Christian McCaffrey, they viewed him as being expendable. So they got those two guys in. They're going to extend Bradley Chubb, so they're going to keep him. Mm-hmm. But I think a pass rush of Bradley Chubb, um, adding to that mix there with Christian Wilkins, uh, is going to make a big difference for the Miami Dolphins. Oh, he was on a pitch count today, so he didn't play a whole lot against the Chicago Bears. So don't view the Bears' 32 points today as, a, as an indictment of Chubb's impact. I believe if he stays healthy, they have a good secondary. They'll have a pretty good pass rush. Um, I love that tr- those trades for the Miami Dolphins. They continue to go all in while they have two on a rookie deal. Yeah, I like the pick. I like it for Miami. Uh, I'm not sure what, uh, you know, swayed uh, the Broncos to make that pick. I, I really thought, I, I really think that Bradley Chubb is, you know, going to be a future star. And to give up a future star for what's inevitably going to be turning out to be a late round first, round, first, first pick, uh, you know, the way the season is going for the Miami Dolphins, to me... Uh, doesn't make too much sense from the Broncos. Like, yes, you're getting Edmonds, but Edmonds was, you know, he lost his position to Mostert. Yeah. You know, so Miami, Miami's just purging the San Francisco 49ers backfield, getting Wilson now. So oh, we'll see how that happens. But I really like that trade for the Miami Dolphins. I think from the Broncos' perspective, I, I think they've already come to the realization that they may not be going anywhere this year. They're not going to sign Chubb to a mega deal because they can't. Because they gave a mega deal to Russell Wilson already. Mm-hmm. Plus, they traded three number one picks to get Russell Wilson. This helps them recoup one of them, maybe, and get some value. So, I love Bradley Chubb to the Dolphins. I think that really helps them. The Dolphins win again today. Now, 6-0 and on the year when Tua plays the whole mm-hmm. game. 0-3 mm-hmm. when he doesn't. Right. So, no matter what you may think of Tua, he flat out wins. I mean, they win when, when he plays. The other trade that I like, and we're going to see what impact this has maybe tomorrow night, 
is the Bears traded Roquan Smith mm. to the Baltimore Ravens. I just think he fits the mold of Ray Lewis and and a middle linebacker for the Ravens. I think that's a great deal for the Baltimore Ravens. They did have to give up, uh, I believe, a two or was it a three and a five or or or, or so to get uh, to get Roquan Smith. So if he can stay healthy, I believe that's a good addition for the Ravens. I hate that pick. <laughs> I hate that pick because it's so good for the Ravens. I mean, I, I believe, I, I believe, yeah, you're right. I mean, he he fits that scheme. I mean, he he reeks of Baltimore Raven. Baltimore Raven defense from yester yesteryear. You know, back to the Ray Lewis days, uh, the Terrell Sud days. I mean, he's that he's that type of he's that type of linebacker who wreaks havoc and you know. Uh, you know, as as far as uh, you know, run stopper, and he can cover the middle. He has that much athleticism. So, hats off to the Ravens. Uh, you know, change your scheme a little bit. Don't uh, uh, don't don't make those complex uh, blitzes when you play the Steelers. <laughs> Show a little mercy out there. But great pickup for the Ravens. Yeah. So we'll see what 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 a difference he can make. I'm guessing it's going to be uh, a big difference down the stretch because he's just a. a great player leading the NFL in tackles right now. A couple of other ones, I think Robert Quinn, the Bears purging mm. their defense again joining that rotation for the Philadelphia Eagles is going to be great for them. And then TJ Hawkinson, I was surprised yeah. that the Lions gave up on him already um, but he showed up today seven catches, 90 yards already in his first game. Irv Smith goes out with the season and the injury. They slide in TJ Hawkinson, who's a better receiver in my estimation. Mm -hmm. I think the Vikings benefited from that as well. So I think big picture, the team's going for it this year. Miami, Baltimore, Minnesota, now that they're 7-1, going in and making the necessary trades to get the pieces they think will help them take that next step. So mm -hmm. any other things within the trade deadline that got your attention? Not really. I, I, uh, you know what? I, the trades that I wanted to happen probably uh, wouldn't have wouldn't have happened. I, I kind of wish that the Steelers kind of traded one of their quarterbacks, whether it be Trubisky or Mason, to uh, actually move up for next year's draft, get some. Because, you know what? Mason Rudolph is, uh, he, could, he could be a decent number two out there. In my opinion, he could be. He doesn't make mistakes. Uh, I would have actually let go uh, Trubisky, and I think uh, right now, based upon how Kenny Pickett is doing right now, Trubisky actually has better numbers. I think if you really look up in from the analytics part, you could probably get back what you gave up getting, uh, you know, for Trubisky. So, but that didn't happen. Uh, better minds know, but you know, that's what I was thinking of. The thing that I was, the last thing in the trades that I was surprised at, some of the names that were not traded. Like Brandon Cooks, he's so expected to be traded that he boycotted the game on Thursday. He just completely <laughs> sat out the game. He was so mad at the Texans for not trading him. But the deal is the Rams wanted him, the Cowboys wanted him, the Packers wanted him, but his $18 million guaranteed salary for next year mm -hmm. was the stumbling block for all the teams. Like the, the Texans still wanted a pretty good pick. And the other team to pick up the the it's salary, that, yeah. and no one was willing to do that. So Brandon oh, yeah. Cook stays put. I was surprised that the Rams found no takers for Cam Akers. He ends up staying in LA. Had five carries for three yards today. Typical Cam Maker production for my Rams. And then Kareem Hunt. I think last week Monday they beat the Bengals surprisingly, and I think the Browns are like, wait a minute, we're not out of this yet. 
we're going to keep Kareem Hunt because I fully expected him to be traded as well. But but he stayed put. So a lot of Rams fans, and I'll mention this, a lot of Rams fans upset that the Rams didn't make a trade, but it wasn't for lack of effort. We talked about them trying to get McCaffrey for a second, a third, a fifth, and Cam Akers. The 49ers outbid them, throwing in a four. They tried to get Brian Burns from the Panthers. It came out today that the Rams offered the Panthers two number ones, a number two, and Cam Akers for Brian Burns, and the Panthers said no. In my opinion, thank goodness they said no, because we talked about it earlier. The Rams' defense is still number five in the NFL. The Rams' offense sucks. So why would we want to give up all of those assets for a defensive player when we can't do anything offensively? So I'm actually thankful that the Panthers said no. I know the difference between Chubb and Brian Burns is he still has another year or two on his rookie deal, so I think that is a little cheaper versus having to extend Chubb. But I was actually quite pleased that they didn't make a colossal mistake. If they were 7-1 and one like they were last year when they went after Von Miller, that's one thing. But when you're 3-5 and five yeah. and you're scoring 10 points a game, another defensive player is not going to matter. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm actually glad that they did that. So in the NFL, though, gang, we're not going to analyze every single game. Again, Ernie's team had a bye. My Rams suck, so that's just too heart-wrenching uh, to go over. But... <laughs> The surprise of the day, the Jets beat the Bills 20-17. to Wow. I mean, wow. The Jets are for real. I mean, they lose Brees Hall. It wasn't an offensive thing, but that defense or any... Quinnen Williams, C.J. Mosley, Sauce Gardner, and the gangs in the back, they are for real. They are. They are. I mean, it's coming to fruition right now. They are they are quite young out there. Like you mentioned, Sauce Gardner, uh, he's in his he's in his freshman year in, in the NFL, and he's 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 taking he's he's having like a Deion Sanders type of uh, uh, not impact, but uh, you know uh, introduction, let's say, because. The, the guy is everywhere and when, and now I know why they call him sauce man that guy that guy just puts on something extra out there but yeah congrats to the Jets their management team uh, on bringing in all these draft picks is actually coming to fruition Wilson today did not uh, you know open anybody's eyes but he did not make any mistakes uh, Allen on the other hand did the regular Allen thing you know rushing for for 80 something 86 yards but he threw two interceptions and that was the big difference in today's game the Jets pull up the upset if you want to call it that yeah I mean it's crazy but even with that the AFC East and the NFC East continue to be the stories you have the Bills now at six and two the Jets and Dolphins at six and three mm-hmm. the Patriots at five and four every time I think the Patriots are going away no they're not they come right back and they get a couple of wins and they stay in the hunt in your division the Ravens play tomorrow they're going to try to go to six and three mm-hmm. Bengals bounce back in a big way over the Carolina Panthers today 42 to 21 they're at five and four your Steelers were on by at two and six and then the Browns are on by mm-hmm. at three and five you know there uh in the afc south it's now going to overtime it's 17 17 the titans and the kansas city chiefs are going to overtime but the either way even if the titans lose today they're going to run away with that division because the Colts have fallen off the planet the jags come back and win today but they're still three and six and going nowhere and the texans are certainly going nowhere and now in the afc west if the chiefs somehow lose they would go to five and three 
The Chargers find a way to win to go to five and three. Um, Broncos are on bye. They're at three and five. And then, of course, the Raiders, they jump out to a 17-0 lead. They blow it. They're now at two and six. And, man, one of the biggest disappointments so far in the AFC and the whole NFL for yeah, that matter. Yeah, because some people could have predicted them first and no one would have laughed because uh, that uh, division was so tightly contested, at least in the beginning of the year. Now it's time to regroup. If you're a realistic Raiders fan, I mean, it's time to, you know, see what you can do to boost up that roster or find out why, you know, that, uh, you know, their offense and defense isn't equating to wins out there. Yeah, I mean, so in the NFC, the Cowboys had a bye, the mm-hmm. Giants had a bye, the Eagles took care of the Texans on Thursday to right. continue to be undefeated. I think the stories, the other stories other than my putrid Rams have got to be the Seahawks winning again on the road. They're at 6-3 and that's, three now. That's incredible. And the Packers losing another game, their fourth or fifth in a row now. Three and six on the year, losing to Detroit with Aaron Rodgers playing like Jared Goff with three interceptions all in the red zone. It was, yeah, I mean, the Packers are in the Rams boat right now. It's struggling, uh, struggling teams that you didn't expect to be struggling, struggling. Exactly. And I, I really thought that was going to be the Packers to pick up Claypool because that was the that was the story maybe two or three weeks ago. And uh you know, they today the way the way it played out today with the Packers only coming out with nine points, boy, maybe they should have well, made the, the bigger. Well, the word came offer. out today that they did offer the same second round pick, but Pittsburgh decided that the Bears are probably going to pick earlier yeah. than, than Green Bay, so they chose the Bear option. And apparently, the Packers went heavy after Darren Waller, who's actually hurt right now. But the Raiders had no part in that. So mm-hmm. that kind of wraps up the NFL for a bit. I, I, I tell you, this first eight weeks for the Rams have been nothing but frustration. And I think it's time to move on from the thought that <laughs> they are going to get on a run here late and get into the playoffs. But like the old days, at least I could be excited for the draft. I still can't because we don't have a pick for a couple more years. So I don't have that to look forward to as well. The game is now starting in overtime. It's 17-17 as we talk about. But let's transition, Ernie, to our top five teams. Um, You want to go first? Sure. I mean, Philadelphia hasn't done anything to... They were my number one last week. They have nothing. They have done nothing other than keep their record unblemished. They are, they are my number one. You know, by default today, Buffalo has lost its number uh, two position. I have Minnesota moving up uh, with their only... They only have one loss, so they are my number two. Uh, I'm going to move Buffalo just down one. They are that good of a team. Uh, you know, when you lose to the Jets... Maybe like a year or two, that would have been embarrassing. That would have pushed them down a little bit more. But uh, like we were talking earlier in the podcast, the Jets are for real. I mean, that's a that's a quality team out there, and you can't make mistakes. Today, the Buffalo mis- uh, Bills made mistakes. They only lose by three. Uh, that shows that they can still be competitive. Uh, they are my number three team. My number four team has been my number five teams for the previous two weeks. That is the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, they move up by default, being that they did not play today. And my number five, I'm going to have to keep it open because my number five team, I'm going to have to choose whoever wins the game of the Tennessee Titans and the Kansas City Chiefs. Both of them have identical records. Whoever wins in overtime will be my number five. Okay, so I, I mean, I like, I've been a Buffalo believer all year. They've been my number one team the entire year. Even when they lost, they stayed number one for me. 
until today. Philadelphia with two losses, Buffalo, you have to drop. Philadelphia at 8-0. Even if they haven't played the most dominant teams, they're still finding a way to win every single week. At 8-0, Philadelphia is my number one team. I'm going to stick with the Buffalo Bills at number two. I could be wrong. Next week, they play Miami. I mean, Minnesota. Minnesota travels to Buffalo next week. We'll be able to solve it on the field. Mm -hmm. But I think all you need to know is Buffalo is a seven and a half point favorite over Minnesota. That tells you who the world thinks Mm -hmm. is the better team. So I'll leave Buffalo at two. Minnesota at seven, one, finding a way to win every single week. I just don't know how good they are. All yeah. I know is they took our offensive coordinator, and we are missing <laughs> that for sure. Um, but at 7-1, and one, I'll leave them there. Dallas Cowboys, for me, is going to be at number four. I agree with you. I think they have a dominant defense at 6-2. and two. Dak comes back. We'll see how they incorporate that. Tony Pollard, to me, is their best offensive rep weapon. If they play him more and Zeke less, they're more powerful. Mm-hmm. That's what happened against the Bears last week. Zeke was injured, sat out. Pollard goes crazy with three touchdowns. Dallas rolled with 49 points. And then at number five, I agree with you as well. I still believe in Kansas City, but Tennessee, if they pull this out, that would be six wins in a row after starting 0-2. And you're starting to see some chinks in Kansas City when you have a powerful defensive-minded team. They're getting, they're giving them a hard time. So I, I, what for now, I agree with you. Whoever wins this game would be my number five. I still think Kansas City with Mahomes will find a way to beat Malik Willis in overtime. So I would expect Kansas City to stay five. But it, if if they find a way to lose, then Tennessee would be my number five. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of alike in, yeah. in all of our teams, even in the orders just slightly different. Now, we got to talk about our picks because Ernie gang is on a roll okay (laughs) he is now five wins out of his last six he had the titans plus the 11 they're in overtime right now so So there's no way they can lose by more than 11 he did hang on the texans was was plus 13 they lost by 12 right so he got lucky there so ernie has now won five out of his last six my first one was new england minus six over the Colts. that was an easy win it was 26 to 3 and then of course my rams blew it at the last (laughs) second and they were getting two they lost by three so i lose that one so i go one and one for the third for the second consecutive week um so going to next week ernie I mean, gang, he's practically Mattress Mac already with the role that he's on. He started slow. He's now picked it up. Where are you going next week? Okay, I'm going to hang with my with my team. Uh, I think the addition of Calvin Austin into that uh, wide receiver, uh, you know, replacing Claypool, and the big one being T.J. Watt implemented back into that defense will do wonders. The Steelers are currently... Uh, a minus three at New Orleans. I like the Steelers to get into that backfield. I like the reemergence of that Steelers defense, and I think the Steelers will win this game outright. Take the Steelers plus three. And my with TJ Watt back. With TJ Watt back. And it's not official, but I expect him to play. Okay. Uh, my second game is going to be the Bucks. They're going to go over the pond and play the amazing Seattle Seahawks. Uh, the, the Seahawks have just been, uh, you know, turning doubters into believers over, you know, the first half of the season. I just think that time difference of nine hours going over to play in Europe 
is just going to be just too much. I mean, that's that's the equivalent of playing at like six o'clock in the morning, uh, and uh, I don't think football players are you know at their prime playing at that time in the morning. It's a little bit. It's it's a it's it's lesser of a, an impact for Tampa Bay because they're already you know on that East Coast. Uh, plus the travel distance, I think, is going to be easier for them. You know, they're on a roll right now. And I, I, I think uh, the controversy with, with Tom Brady is, uh, you know, sinking in a little bit. I don't think it has the same impact as, you know, the, the weeks where they struggle. I like the Bucks minus two and a half over the Seahawks over the pond. Well, actually, Ernie, that, that's only a one-point line now, so you get it better. So Tampa Bay's minus one. So you actually have it in a better situation. And I agree. Flying for I don't understand why they make the West Coast teams play in Germany. That seems to be such a massive disadvantage. Not only the distance, but the time change. But they continue to do so. The Rams have gone there. Seattle's gone there. Mm -hmm. All of them have gone there. Uh, And it is our first game in Germany for the NFL. Tampa Bay and Seattle. Tampa Bay giving one. You've got Tampa Bay. So here's where I'm going to go. I'm going to go with a Thursday night game like Ernie did this week. I think the Falcons head to Carolina. I think the Carolina are getting close to packing it in. Mm-hmm. Um, they played the Falcons tough last week. DJ Moore takes off his helmet. I believe it's not going to be as close this time. I think the Falcons are going to be able to control the ball, control things. I like the Falcons to cover the two and a half points rebounding from today's loss. And then I was very impressed with Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields has turned the corner. He lit up the Patriots two weeks ago. He lit up the the Cowboys, though not as much as the Cowboys lit up the Bears. And then today he rushes for 178 yards, two touchdown passes, 32 points against the Miami Dolphins, barely uh, falling short of beating them. I think Justin Fields is really putting things together. They get the Lions coming to Chicago next week. I believe Justin Fields goes for another big game. Detroit plays close games, but I think they got up for the Packers. They knocked off the Packers. They come crashing back down. I like the Bears by seven plus points next week. So Ernie's got the Steelers plus two and a half. Tampa Bay lane one. I got the Falcons minus two and a half and the Chicago Bears minus two and a half. So Ernie... And again, this is Ernie Amati. We are the sports rivals, NBA fans especially. What a week in the NBA. I mm-hmm. mean, the NBA was trying to give the NFL some hard rubs earlier in the week because first you have the situation with the Brooklyn Nets. Well, it's all the situations involving the Brooklyn Nets. Steve Nash gets fired after a very bad start. Mm-hmm. Um, word on the street was Emi Odoka was inevitably coming. Then you haven't really heard that materialize yet. Probably because of the Kyrie situation. Kyrie, Kyrie was going yay on us. You mentioned it last week. It got worse. They were trying to get him to apologize. He refused. Net suspend him for five games. Then he comes out with an apology. Nike drops his shoe. Um, you know, things were starting to snowball for him. Most people believe Kyrie has played his last game with Brooklyn. But I don't know what kind of trade value he's going to have right now. I know that the Lakers did not make the trade for Kyrie because they don't want to sign him to a long-term contract. Mm -hmm. They were willing to make that deal without having to sign Kyrie to a long-term deal. Um, They don't want any piece of him long-term. Your thoughts. I mean, chaos, I know that makes you happy because any chaos for Kyrie and the Nets make you happy. Now, 
weirdly, the Nets have won a couple of games since yeah. this happened. They're now at four and six. Which tells you something. It does tell you something. <laughs> it does tell you something. So let's unpack that. Steve Nash getting fired. Are you surprised with that? I'm not surprised, but I'm very disappointed. I think Steve Nash kind of was, uh, you know, a pawn in this whole situation. I believe that, you know, the pieces that were given to him, uh, you know, by the by the Nets management were, were as it was. The combination of Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden when uh, Harden was still back there only played a combined 18 games together. Uh, that, and when and when that basically happens, are, you shouldn't expect to you know uh, get championships in that particular way. Uh, uh, I mean, to to me, the greatness of Kevin Durant with Kyrie Irving as his number two out there will put you as a contender. But to win. Uh, in today's NBA, I don't. Uh, it's to me that is not an upset. So I don't know why they would. Why? Well, I know why they did it. They wanted to basically shake things up. Uh, to me, that is a misguided organization. It's I, I. I really think that they're you know they're backed up into the corner. The Nets is basically what I'm I'm saying. And desperate teams do desperate things in desperate times. And this is desperate times for them. To bring in Emi Adoka right now, given the fact that, you know, he was suspended by the Boston Celtics, is ludicrous in my opinion. And I think uh, when this first came out, they said this hiring was imminent, imminent within 24 to 48 hours ago. That was 96 hours ago. So two days have passed prior to the, the latter part of that imminent part. And, it, you know, we still don't know what's, what's going to happen on top of that. And that five-game suspension is a minimum five-game suspension. We don't know if it's going to be longer. We don't know what the conversation has been with uh, David Stern. Kyrie Irving, I don't know why you, why, why you did why you did it. Because the Brooklyn, in that greater Brooklyn area, you have the most concentrated patrons who are Jewish. You have six, 600,000 Jewish people in that Brooklyn area. Now, the Jewish population in the United States is rather small. I believe it's like less than 5%. But in Brooklyn, that's a huge piece. you got to know what hand feeds you. On top of that, Adam Silver is Jewish. <laughs> and you don't want to apologize? My goodness, talk about being full of yourself. Well, Kyrie is his beats to his own drum. He never likes to be told what to do, has always been that way, uh, and will continue to be that way. But the Emi Udoka thing, I mean, I think on the surface it makes sense. I mean, he's worked with Ben Simmons in Philadelphia. He's had experience with the Brooklyn Nets, knows the player, knows the personnel. So from that perspective, from the X and O standpoint, it does make a little bit of sense. But from the chaos that is the Brooklyn Nets to bring in another piece that would only bring more chaos and drama doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense but I don't think they fire Steve Nash this early in this season if they weren't going to do that now maybe Udoka is looking at this situation like this is just too poisonous I'm already in a bad place why would I want to go into this situation have to deal with Kyrie shenanigans so maybe we're going to have to wait this out maybe we're going to have to see Kyrie get traded see where the pieces land and then Udoka makes a decision on whether or not he wants this or not that's going to be uh, that's going to be a very very interesting thing thing to see, but man, the Brooklyn Nets are just a chaotic mess. Yeah, I mean the the closest equivalent I could think of this in sports are the Cleveland Browns. You know, I mean, you know, like like 
prior where, where they were paper champions two years in a row and they, they failed to make playoffs or at least got eliminated in playoffs early. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets are just that. They've got tremendous talent. I mean, they still have Joe Harris there. Uh, Nick Clax, Claxton is, a, is an up-and-coming uh, star over there. I mean, uh, and of course, you know, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. They can't put this thing together for some reason. Uh, it's, it's, it's a bad thing getting worse. And to, to tell you the truth, I think if Ime Doka does go into that situation, it's not going to get it's going to get worse before it gets better because he's going to have to face the media. And that media, you're going into New York media, they are not kind. And they are, they're, they're not going to baby you. They're going to make you come out with the truth. And there was a lot that was not told in regards to Ime Adoka's situation. He's, they're going to pressure him to do something. And if he buries the Boston Celtics, I guarantee you the Boston Celtics will leak information in regards to at least some of the uh, mishaps that happened. Because right now, he, I believe Ime Adoka has a little bit of, uh, you know, empathy from the public uh, because the public doesn't know how deep his scandals go. So we'll see how it goes from yeah, there. Yeah, from the Celtics' perspective, I mean, I think they'd be, they would be relieved to probably be out from under this <laughs> shadow of Emil Doka. I think the Celtics could just move on altogether yeah. um, with this guy as the new head coach. That's why they're not asking the for it. Yeah, training. Not, so I think yeah. for them, they kind of wish that this kind of goes away. So much so that they're like, you can have him. Yep. We don't need any compensation. No compensation. We don't need nothing. You yeah. can take him. So that gives you an idea of where things may be. So in the world of NBA, as, as we go along, we'll talk a little bit more in depth about the actual basketball. I think the only things to mention: the Bucks are still undefeated yep. right now. Without, without Middleton, shot. yeah, without Middleton, and I think the the Golden State Warriors are on the Laker plan right now, <laughs> trying to get to six losses in a row to go to three and seven. Lakers at two and seven. Oh my gosh, the NBA season is going to be just <laughs> for me. But let's transition, Ernie, into your closing thought because I think we're going to talk more juicy stuff, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna follow dovetails in regards to our last topic, which which is basically the NBA putting their foot down in regards to players, uh, you know, being suspended or disciplined in regards to non basketball situations. You know, so these are things that are outside. Of course, everybody knows about the Kyrie Irving situation. Uh, we'll touch a little bit about uh, uh, Miles. Uh, and, and his situation with the assault and battery. Uh, you got Josh Primo, the up-and-coming guard from the San Antonio Spurs, who actually showed his Johnson to uh, a psychiatrist, and now he is out of the NBA, and no one has, has picked him up. The NBA has fallen back in regards to disciplining their their uh, players uh, in as opposed to the NFL. I think the NFL kind of did it more proactively. Not more proactively, maybe that's not the, the right word, uh, on a timely basis. You know, you had your Kareem Hunts, you had your Ray Rices. Once that came out uh, into, into the media, they were gone. Even for the things that, uh, that were even drug-related, like uh, I know for for at least uh, the Steelers part, Martavius Bryant or Josh Josh Gordon, Gordon yeah, for for so many times until he eventually uh, kicked himself out for maybe like on a third time. Those things always happened within the NFL, so it was always there. You ne- you never had the the specter of uh, I am above the league. 
In the NBA, it was a little bit different. It's always been. It's they're a players' league. Exactly. They, they they gravitate and revolve around stars, not teams. It's that's the way that they've decided to go. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and and that's where I think I'm kind of I'm. You know what? I'm glad that this is happening because it, it it would have ruined the product in my opinion. You're going to have one faction standing by the players, and of course these are icons. Uh, to you know some of these some of these fans, but from the outside looking in, if you're not an NBA fan, you're like shaking your head. And why are they allowed to do this thing? And you know the NBA is uh, you know a product that has grown exponentially over the last ten to fifteen years. I mean, it's made Michael Jordan the most a billionaire. He's more than tripled his net worth since he became. Uh, part owner of the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, all owners, all NBA owners out there, that's why you're seeing, uh, you know, the Golden State Warriors being able to build, uh, you know, the Chase Center and offering crazy money to their their players out there. Uh, but it might, I thought it was hitting a point of no return if something like this didn't happen. I think the, you know, with Miles Bridges in, in early in the offseason when he got caught for domestic violence, that was a little pushed under the the rug a little bit. You know, I don't think that uh, you know that caught too much media attention outside the North Carolina uh, area. But you know, what? he might never play in the NBA again. I mean, he pleaded no contest just to get out of, uh, I, I guess, as a plea bargain. Uh, not to get any extended jail time, but the NBA is not backing him uh, on that. Uh, fast forward again to Kyrie Irving. We all know about his his dramatic, uh, you know, things that are that he's brought up himself, excluding from what he did last year. We won't even get into that. And the newest one being Josh Primo. I mean, uh, you know, you already coming off of Ime Adoka where you had that sex scandal over there. It really didn't come uh, up where uh, he didn't learn that, you know, these things, uh, when, it, when, it, when it happens against you versus some type of employer, and this psychologist was an employer of the San Antonio Spurs, he wasn't afraid. Again, he thought he was invincible. This was a guy who really thought he was above the league, that he did nothing wrong. I mean, he's countersuing. That's how... That's how adamant he feels that he shouldn't have been disciplined in in, in this uh, particular circumstance. But all I mean, he has a track record. It's it's not just this particular psych, psych, uh, psychologist or psychiatrist. It's, there's there's been incidents other than this that he has uh, had problems in. And we can go back to the Phoenix Suns owner where he had you know Sarver where he has to uh, not he's currently selling the team, you know. All the you know, who else is selling the team in a similar light now is the Washington Commanders. You mm. know, they, they are going to be sold now um, because of his actions yeah. over the last 20 to 25 years, mainly revolving around a sexually exploitive work environment. So you're absolutely right. Yeah, and this all comes out, I think, without social media, all this is uh, swept under the rug. With social media out there, they can take the smallest mistake and they can amplify it now it's up to the general public and you know the players that be to validate whether that it's right or wrong 
You know, I mean, even if we go outside prior to this, we all knew, know about Kanye who changed his name to Ye and his uh, missteps in regards to anti-Semitism that cost him billions in endorsements. He lost every single endorsement, you know. So it's not only athletes, but the NBA in particular was 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 probably the closest in line to to Ye or Kanye, if you want to, whatever you, you, you want to call him in regards to them thinking that they are above the entity that, you know, made them basically. And it's not. The people make you. The people make you. You're on social media. That's what makes you. How you market yourself, that's what makes you. And when the general public, whether it be the people who buy your items or buy your jersey, when they put a public opinion out there and it becomes uh, widespread, and in this case, uh, and, in th- and, and not in this case, but in, in, uh, in these particular cases, it goes against you, that's when you feel, hey, maybe I'm not like this. And if Stern did not do anything, I really believe that he would have been replaced. He would have been replaced. Not only coming from Miles Bridges, I believe that if he didn't do anything from Kyrie, I believe that the uh, Jewish community would have came out in droves against him. And he took a long time, uh, Adam Silver. He took a long time to make a... Uh, decision on th- in my opinion it took a long but time but it's not even his it's the Nets who suspended him right so he's still sitting out exactly. there monitoring the situation yeah and, and can come with the hammer if he wants yeah, to yeah and I believe he will come out with the hammer I think he's going to come out with the hammer I think he there's going to be a lot of being that he's Jewish you know and it needs to be that way I think it has it has to come back to the public where if the public makes you the public uh uh you know, basically uh, generates the revenue for the commercials where the NBA can sell TV contracts to the networks that produce billions of dollars, buy your tickets, buy your merchandise. Uh, they're the ones that make you. If Kyrie, Kyrie and other players are here to play a, a child's game and get paid millions and millions of dollars, and, and the entitlement that sometimes comes with that is ludicrous. You, are, you should be uh, fortunate. You know, you should count your blessings in regards to what you've gotten out of this. Not make a mistake and say, no, I don't want to do this. Or make a mistake and say, you know what, I'm going to counter suit because I think you're wrong. Make a, make, you know, make a mistake and, you know, like Miles Bridges and, uh, you know, try to plead for mercy. Uh, make a mistake like Sarver and now you've got to sell your team. Although he's probably happy because he made billions and billions of dollars in that transaction. But... It needs to change, and I hope that the players in the NBA and all other sports are following these examples, and I hope it changes. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it has to be—there can't be any tolerance for any kind of bigotry, period. Mm. And, and this is just another example, or violence, or sexual predatory actions. None of those things can be, can be allowed. There's always going to be another star. The, no one, no league has to acquiesce to any one particular player— because there's always going to be another player. Now, the decision that we have to make, you know, Ernie and I, uh, is do we want to buy the Phoenix Suns or do we want to buy the Washington Commanders? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing that we're going to have to decide. I hear that we're going to be up against Jeff Bezos and Jay-Z and <laughs> Kevin Durant once in with the Washington Commanders, so we're going to be in trouble, Ernie. I mean, maybe we can get Kool-A and Alan Mia, you know, from Wake Up in the Den to join us and help us out so we can buy a professional 
I'd rather go NBA. I'd rather have the Suns. They're cheaper. Yeah. Obama's going to be one of the partners I heard. I heard, he's gonna, I heard he wants to go in. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm sure between the two of us, we can we can put down at least $10,500. <laughs> and be a 0.0001% interest. All right, gang. Speaking of Kool-Aid and Allen, check them out weekday mornings from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on Wake Up in the Den. Again, that's Hawaii Sports Radio Network, of which Ernie and I are super proud to be a part of the Hawaii Sports Radio Network Ohana. Again, that's 8 to 9, Monday through Friday, Kuule Agbayani and Alan Mia on Wake Up in the Den. Get ready for Dallas Cowboy football this week, USA football this week, LA Clipper uh, uh, basketball this week as well. They do an amazing job. That's 760 AM or 95.1 FM on your FM dial. For Ernie and I, check us out on social media, Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. Tell us what you think. Do you like our picks? Are you happy? Are you writing Ernie's picks five out of the last six? I hope you are. Because if you did, you wouldn't have to play Powerball next time because (laughs) you can make your own money. You and Mattress Mac betting on Ernie's picks going forward. So again, until next Next week, the sports rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals Podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear. Hey.